Oh my gosh, I'm adopting a puppy right now. But I realize what's at home. Oh no, I have nothing. Well, except unconditional love. But yeah, no crate, no pee-pee pads, no dental chews for his little puppy teeth. Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? Get Pet Essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. From realghoststoriesonline.com, I am Tony Bursky, and this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the radio show that we do every single week at Real Ghost Stories Online and broadcast through YouTube at the time being. Eventually, we'll get back out there on iTunes and Stitcher and all other fun stuff, but for right now, we're living on YouTube. But, uh, of course, this uh, this will eventually be an archived program, so you may very well be listening to us through those uh, through those channels, and we thank you very much for uh, for finding us. Uh, of course, how does the show work? How do we get followers? How do we get listeners? How do we get stories? How do we fuel the show? That, my friends, is done by your ghost stories that you send uh, send into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Click that Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and send us your ghost stories. Or you can always call them in at 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, toll-free, 24-7. They'll leave a ghost story for us, and uh, we may just use it on a future show. Of course, tell your friends about the show. That is extremely important. Extremely. That's... Uh, Kind of what, uh, you know, what else fuels our show? Listeners, you know, that sort of thing. So make sure you uh, you do uh, tell a friend about the show. We even give you a bonus show. If you do that, I have a whole extra episode that I, uh, I email you directly if you share the show on Facebook, Twitter, or uh, YouTube, or whatever you use, MySpace. Yeah. Is, anyone, is anyone even on MySpace? Uh, whatever you use, whatever you share the show on, you email me a screenshot of how you shared it, and I'll email you back personally with a link to a bonus episode. My email is Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. Lots of folks already claimed that free show, that bonus episode. You can, too. Uh, just uh, share the show, email me, Tony at realghoststoriesonline.com, and I will send you back a link to a episode that is bonus just for you. Uh, update on my uh, my grandpa. I uh, I was talking about that the other episode, and he's uh, he was put into hospice care the other week. Uh, he's he's still with us as of this moment, but uh, it's looking like probably not for very much longer. Uh, I have an interesting story to share uh, about him, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, uh, of uh, some of the things that he's going through right now uh, at the very end here, uh, which falls into the realms of our show, of ghost stories. So we'll uh, talk about that in, uh, in just a bit. Got some good letters today going to your calls. First off on the show, again, 855-853-4802. Phone number to call with your real ghost stories. Let's go to a caller right now. Hi, you are on the air. Back in uh, 79 and 80 when my, uh, I've got twins and a, and a younger son. Mm-hmm. They told me years ago, years later, after we moved from there, it was in Minneapolis, Kansas, the twins slept upstairs and the, and the younger one downstairs, that uh, they would see a cowboy carrying a buffalo head. And they'd go through, he'd go through the room and down the stairs and uh, 
neither one of them knew, neither of the twins knew that the other one had ta- uh, seen it. But years later, when they talked about it, uh, they realized that they'd both seen it. So everybody believes them now. <laughs> well, that's bizarre. It's one of those things where, where they were both too afraid to, to share the story because they didn't want anybody to think they were crazy. And then they both were seeing the same thing. Exactly. And, I, and my younger son used to hide under the covers, but one night he pulled the covers down and he saw the buff the buffalo and the cowboy coming down the uh, down at the bottom of the stairs looking around the corner at him. Buffalo and a cowboy looking around the stairs. I would be more freaked out of the ghost buffalo. How about you? <laughs> Cowboy's one thing. You see a ghost buffalo hanging out by the uh, by the fireplace. Yeah. Uh, that's, wow. If you got a real ghost story, we'd love to hear it. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. Or, of course, write us in at realghoststoriesonline.com. So my grandpa, as I was saying, he's he's in hospice care right now. Um, I, I was informed yesterday that we're looking at probably less than 72 hours um, left with him um, as of this broadcast. Um, and I don't know if you have any experience with, with uh, family members or friends who, who are in hospice care, but what uh, they talk about a lot when people are, are in hospice, that care and and close to the end um and still conscious you hear stories a lot of people seeing things and i'd love to hear your stories if you have anyone who um who has had this happen um of what they saw and what those accounts were Uh, there's a lot of ways you could explain it you know and there's a lot of interpretations um my grandpa's been saying that he's been, this is, this is just funny because it's my grandpa, if you know his sense of humor, you're like, okay, yep, that's him. Um, he, uh, the other day, the first thing he saw, he said he saw was a bare-breasted woman uh, floating around his room. Uh, then he, uh, the next day, said he saw a fairly ugly woman floating around his room. And uh, then shortly thereafter that, he said he, he saw my grandma... Uh, who was his second wife, and his first wife, who had passed on uh, early in life uh, from a disease, um, together, uh, running down a path. You know that that it's a comforting thought. It is. It's really it's comforting to think of you know my grandma and and his first wife. They're they're together. They're hanging out. Hey, you know, and and if you're religious at all, you want to believe that that's a very very nice thing to think of and and I, I I'm, I'm so glad that he's able to have that 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 thought and and see that and 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 know that as he's about to to move to the other side and believe that he moves to the other side that they are going to be there for him just like that yeah that's it's such an interesting thing because science will tell you that as the brain shuts down you're generating these memories and this is how the the body essentially dies um you know when you have near-death experiences or you're about to die and you say you don't die um a lot of people come out of it saying i saw this this and this um and and there's scientists like i said they'll say that was it's, it's part of the brain um spiritual side will say no it's actually you are starting to see the other side what is it I'm not going to say either way because I don't profess to know either way. I really don't. 
part of my life, I would have said it's scientific and it's your brain shutting down. The older I get, uh, the more unexplained things I see and I hear, the more I go, well, maybe it is the other side. Maybe he, you're starting to get glimpses of another side of life or the afterlife as you approach it, you know? They say kids can see ghosts, especially infants and very young folks, and I think the thought process there is they're they're new to the world and they're just entering from another dimension, if you will, another dimension of consciousness is, is taking in, you know, they're, they're going into this life. Could it be that as you, you enter the world, you are conscious and are able to see the other side uh, and as as you get closer to the other side at the end of your life you are able to see that side again you know something to think about but I did have a chance to say goodbye to him today thanks to the marvels of technology uh, and FaceTime my uh, my dad called me up and said uh, grandpa wants to talk to you and I was able to, uh, to say goodbye to him and say thank you for everything that he had done for me and for being a, a really good grandpa to me. So when you get up there and you see grandma, I said, uh, you know, give her a kiss on the cheek for me and tell her I love her and that I miss her. And his response was, how about I give her a big kiss on the lips? <laughs> and I said, grandpa, that would be just fine. It's good to see that he still has a sense of humor. Even, uh, even a fairly grim circumstance, you know? So that's that. That's the update on that. I want to thank uh, a, lot of, a lot of you sent very kind words and letters and notes and whatnot into the show. I thank you all for, for caring and uh, your prayers because I know a lot of folks said I'm going to say a prayer for him. So thank you very much. And I think he's in the best state he can be right now as he prepares to enter into the into the other side. Let's get another caller before we uh, go to a letter here at Real Ghost Stories I- Online. Phone number again, if you have a ghost story to share, is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Hi, you're on there. Okay, I lived in a house at the top was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. We kept hearing things and hearing things, and things would move around, and my kids were freaking out, and an elderly neighbor down the street came and told us that during the late 1800s, the house had been a boarding house. Mm-hmm. And an older man had been smoking in bed, and him and a lady that lived there burn up in the upstairs. Yeah. So I really believe it. What was the, the strangest thing that you can remember that ever happened to you there? I would lay my keys on this buffet-like thing that was built into the wall, mm-hmm. and they would disappear. And one day I was actually crying, and we started calling the ghost Oliver. And I cried, and I said, Oliver, I have to pick my kids up from school. Please quit. And my older son came walking out and said, Mom, your teeth are laying right here on the buffet. I swear, it was creepy. I had books flying, telephones flying off the wall and everything for about a month. And we just kind of adopted him, I guess, and he adopted us. I told him, I said, we don't have any place else to go right now. You're going to have to put up with us. (laughs) That's interesting. Sometimes if we just let that entity know, hey, we know you're here. Would you, you know, would you work with us? 
we'll recognize that you're here. Just, you know, don't don't go over the top and try to freak us out and mess with our lives. You know, maybe that's maybe that's half of it. With depending on what sort of entity you have, just the recognition that, hey, we know it. You're here. We get it. We- that's cool. We can we can we can coexist together. If you have a real ghost story, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call and share your real ghost story with us. Our first letter today comes to us from Hillary. Hillary writes in from realghoststoriesonline.com. It's taken me over 10 years to get the courage to publish this, but I just need to tell it. My grandma's house was out on a country road in central Ohio, and all of us grandkids had all heard one creepy story or another about it. But this, this story made it all very, very real. My grandma lived on four acres of wetland woods surrounded by farms on Murrow County Road 57 since I was five or so. It was paradise for kids who just wanted to rip and run with thick woods, fields of tall grass and decent-sized ponds full of bullfrogs and all kinds of kids loved it, even if it was more than a little creepy at night. As we got older, we started to notice strange things in the woods. For instance, there were odd-cut stones along the leaf, and you'd see something move out of the corner of your eye sometimes, even if you were walking alone while the other kids were playing Nintendo. Being kids, we just brushed it off until one day. One of the dirt mounds in the woods was dug up by something and revealed a dog skeleton in a plastic bag. No fur, no marks or anything rotting inside, just clean, white bones. I was about 12 at this point and didn't want to scare my little cousins. So I just kept quiet about it. I'm the oldest of five grandkids, six if you count the uncle, half a year younger than me. So why scare the others? They've seen their dog in the woods way long ago when it was too much fun tromping around. Between the winter of 1999 and 2000, there was a big problem with the septic tank and the landlord handled things with a kind of delicacy and respect for nature only a bulldozer can deliver. A good eight of the woods near one entrance was simply bulldozed to make a path to the cesspools. And that's when things went sour. The whole field of woods changed that year. As if the land was upset about something, I started to see glimpses of what looked like a German shepherd in the woods. My grandmother doesn't have any pets, and one of the neighbors had a German Shepherd around. There'd always been strange shadows in the house, especially late at night when you're the only one awake. I saw the first one that I know of back in 1993, and the best way I could describe it was looking like the wrestler Undertaker in a long duster and signature hat. I was scared stiff. The county is about 98% white with an active chapter of the clan a couple farm towns away, so my mixed-race little cousins got a lot of flack for simply existing from some people. I just had a few people who spouted off straight after their mom. My aunt moved in with grandma to try and protect my cousins from ugliness from the inner city. 
Long story short, things started to happen in our house, starting with an unpleasant feeling downstairs and slowly getting worse. I'm sensitive to this sort of thing and had just started to explore it and talk about it with my cousins. To my surprise, they're experiencing things too and it was getting scary. The middle kid of the trio was the most sensitive and whatever it was knew it. One sunny afternoon, sitting on the deck and just talking like kids do, he mentioned something was in his room at night and that it had started talking to him inside his head. He described the exact same shadow man that had terrified me seven years earlier. I'm good at keeping calm so other people aren't scared, but this both terrified me and lit the fuse to finding a way to deal with it. The old story about this house came flooding back late one night as we sat outside with flashlights goofing around after a session of our hybrid of flashlight tag and stick fighting. Yes, we really were that geeky and probably played a few too many rounds of Bushido Blade 2. Every area has that one house where something awful allegedly happened. We'd all heard the story and laughed it off as some stupid campfire story. According to the story, back when the house was first built about 20 years ago, a man had caught his teenage daughter dating a black man and killed at least the girl's boyfriend. Other versions said the father had killed both of them, but one of the lovers got him back and he died of his injuries. One version even said his dog tried to protect the girl and was shot in the process. All versions agree that the bodies were buried on the property, either in one of the fields, under one of the hills of dirt that were dug up by the bulldozers to make the pond. This was the best story somebody could come up with to scare kids at a bonfire. Being a teenager and a couple of snarky preteens, we thought it was all crap. And then it hit us like a cold breeze in August. We'd all seen glimpses of a dog after we found a dog dug up skeleton. There was a racist shadow man. And those woods got really creepy at night. Suddenly, we seemed completely exposed outside and bolted back inside, locking the deadbolt after everyone was in. Even after sitting on the couches in the upstairs living room, the feeling didn't go completely away. It's about 11 o'clock and there's no way we're going to sleep anytime soon, so we decided to grab something to eat and try to ease our nerves. At this point, I have to take my cousin's word in the next minute or so because I remember nothing beyond seeing a young black man with very short hair in a gold sweatshirt that has the local high school's logo on the front and black sweatpants also with the same name of a local team in gold letters kneeling in terror in the hallway at the top of the landing. He looked solid, but I knew it wasn't in there, in the here and now. There was no sound, but I could hear him trying to talk a man in a long coat with a gun down from something awful. As a gunshot, blood splatters, the wall behind him, and my cousins are staring at me like something just happened that scared them stiff. According to them, I was talking normally one minute, turned to look down the hall at something, froze, and went dead white the next. At absolutely this point, my baby cousin walks out of the room saying, a man woke him up. We're brave, but not that damn brave, and decided to front go to the front yard 
with all of us having Krypton bulb flashlights and our fighting sticks is better than inside with whatever is going on. It's actually very peaceful outside and we started to relax and almost forget that we just got scared stiff ten minutes before. We've been coming up an hour of peace before things would get quiet. We all looked at each other and we'd say something a bit profane if we didn't have a four-year-old between us because we all knew where this was going. I don't know which came first, the drop in temperature, the fog from nowhere hanging in the country road, or us turning our flashlights in the direction of the road, but we did. She looked like the daughter of one of the neighbors who lived a quarter mile down the road, but she graduated and left the farm years ago. The woman we saw was tanned, had short blonde hair and a boyish, cute appearance. She wore a t-shirt with a red flannel shirt around her waist, old jeans and what looked like work boots. What the? Dude, I'm going to call out to her, my friend said. So we started calling out to her, calling her by the neighbor girl's name. Just as she passed in front of the gravel driveway, she turned to face us. That was if she'd had a face. There's nothing there, just a black oval where the face should be. Somehow, we're not afraid of her, and we just run out where she should be, and she was just gone. We'd have heard her if she'd gone into the field, since it's fall and the grass is high and dead. But she's just not there. That was October 2000. The four of us saw that night... And we never saw her again. At least, we didn't. A couple years ago, my uncle revealed that he had seen the same girl walking that same stretch of road and he was driving home from work late one night. The following spring, most of the family moved back from Cleveland area, where we were from originally. As much as I want to know exactly what went on in that property, the little voice in the back of my head tells me to leave it alone. Whatever happened on that county road on County Road 47, County Road 57 can stay there. That was my ghost story. Thank you very much for writing in and sharing that account. That's a creepy story. Hillary wrote in with that one. If you have a real ghost story, please write into us. Our uh, way for you to do that is just through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. And we may share it on a future episode. It kind of reminded me of um, the ghost story of the uh, the hitchhiking ghost. I'm trying to think of the name of the one um, in Chicago. Oh, it eludes me. I remember an Unsolved Mysteries episode of it when I was a child. Oh. Uh, all that comes to me is like Bloody Mary, which is, you know, the childhood legend that was not it um it was it was a hitchhiking ghost that uh, in this ghost story uh, several people uh, claimed to have seen was uh, a woman who was hitchhiking uh near a cemetery and people would pick her up and try and and, and take her home and when she would get into the car they would start heading in the direction of where she said she lived and they get to the destination, and they look over, and the woman was gone. I'm going to Google that really quick, because I am going to be bothered by 
the name of this. Chicago Hitchhiking Ghost. Let's see what comes up. Resurrection Mary. That is the story. Resurrection Mary. Resurrection Mary, according to Wikipedia, it has its own Wikipedia entry. The legend, the story goes that Mary had spent the evening dancing with a boyfriend at the O. Henry Ballroom. At some point, they got into an argument and Mary stormed out. Even though it was a cold winter's night, she thought she'd rather face a cold walk home than spend another minute with her boyfriend. She left the ballroom and started walking up Archer Avenue. She may not have gotten far when she was struck and killed by a hit-and-run driver who fled the scene, leaving Mary to die. Her parents found her and were grief-stricken at the sight of her dead body. They buried her in Resurrection Cemetery. That's where the Resurrection Mary comes in, wearing a beautiful white dancing dress and matching dancing shoes. The hit-and-run driver was never found. According to the Chicago Tribune, the full, a full-time ghost hunter, Richard Crow, who has collected three dozen stories and substantiated the reports of Mary from the 1930s to the present. Interesting. Reported sightings, Jenny Pauls, a Chicago Southsider, reported that in 1939, he met a person who he came to believe was Resurrection Mary at the Liberty Grove and Hall at 47th and Mozart. Uh, they danced and even kissed, and she asked him to drive her along Archer Avenue exiting the car and disappearing in front of the Resurrection Cemetery. In 1973, Resurrection Mary was said to have shown up at Harlow's nightclub on Cicero Avenue on Chicago's southwest side. That same year, the cab driver came into Chet's Melody Lodge across the street from Resurrection Cemetery to inquire about a young lady who had left without paying her fare. There were said to be sightings in 1976, 78, 80, and 89, which involved cars striking or nearly striking Mary outside of Resurrection Cemetery. Mary disappears, however, by the time the motorist exits the car. She also reportedly burned her handprints into a wrought iron fence around the cemetery in August 1976, although officials at the cemetery have stated that the truck had damaged the fence. There's no evidence of a ghost. In uh, January 1979, an article in the Suburban Tribe, columnist Bill Geist detailed the story of the cab driver Ralph, who picked up the young woman, a looker, a blonde, as he described her. She was young enough to be my daughter, 21 tops, near a small shopping center on Archer Avenue. He goes on a ride a couple miles up Archer. She jumped with a start like a horse and said, here, here, and I hit the brakes. Looked around and didn't see no kind of house. Where, I said, and then she sticks out her arm and points across the road to my left and says, there. And that's when it happened. I looked to my left like this at a little shack, and when I turned, she was gone, vanished, and the car door never opened. Wow. Guys described... Ralph is neither an idiot nor a maniac, but rather, in Ralph's own words, a typical 52-year-old working guy, a veteran, father, Little League baseball coach, churchgoer, the whole shot. Guys goes on to say, the simple explanation, Ralph, is that you picked up the Chicago area's preeminent ghost, Resurrection Mary. That is interesting. You ever picked up a ghost hitchhiker? 
Love to get that story. Burn section of the front gate. There's a picture up on Wikipedia as well of the uh, the gate. Well, of course, the cemetery says it was a car accident, but I know that's that's an interesting one. That's um, a very creepy story. Let's uh, let's do one more caller before we wrap up the show today. The phone number again: eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. If you have a real ghost story to share with us, hi, you are on the air. We lived next to a house that was built uh, in El Dorado very, very early. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a doctor's office at one point back in the 50s. Okay. And my son was running next door in the yard to play with one of the kids, and he came, got scared and ran back home and asked my ex-husband if, if the spirits were real because he saw a little boy with red eyes standing in the yard, and then it ran away from him and ran into the doctor's office. Oh, that's creepy. It was creepy. And what freaked me out about the whole thing is, you know, the Amityville Horror which my son was only six, five or six at the time, and so he's never seen it. But remember, the pigs had red eyes. Yeah, the red-eyed pig. You're right. Yeah, and that's what freaked me out about it. That's weird. It's not like he just ran up to you and said, "I saw a ghost" or something like that. He's exactly. like the way he inquired about it makes you think that he actually saw something, and it wasn't just you know a child making something up. Exactly. Yeah, as a parent, you just you just know when your child is is making something up most of the time or when they're legitimately inquiring about something. When it involves the supernatural and you can feel that they are legitimately inquiring about that topic. Kind of gives you shivers. And a boy with red eyes. Not exactly the playmate I think I want my daughters to be hanging around with. I'm still looking for more stories. If you have any stories of the black-eyed children, have you heard of this? We had a... I think it was a letter or a caller a while back that uh, talked about, I guess it's an urban legend. I need to do some more research on it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a phenomenon called black-eyed children. And these children, the, the legend goes, they show up on your doorstep asking to come into your home. And when you look at them in the eyes, it is pure black. There's no pupil. There's no iris. There's no whites. It's just black. And folks see this because the kids, they, they sound normal. Like, hey, can I use your bathroom or something? And it's a little kid. And you're almost, you know, you're as a, as a parent or as an adult, you, you feel you want to help the child in need that showed up on your doorstep. And they look down and they see this child with nothing but black in their eyes. And that usually results in a door slamming shut. But it's a very interesting topic. If you have any stories on that, we'd love to hear them. 855-853-4802 or write into us at Real Ghost Stories Online. Get that bonus episode. Share the show with a friend. Just uh, go on uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever social media you use. Send us a screenshot of where you showed a a link to our show or where you shared a link to our show. Show me that by emailing Tony at Real Ghost Stories Online, T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com, and I will send you a link to a bonus episode that is unpublished, only going to you because you love the show and we love that you love the show that's what fuels it and uh, it's our way of, uh, of saying thank you for letting us do the show every single week and you guys uh, writing in sharing the love we always appreciate your comments make sure you subscribe on our YouTube page click that subscribe button don't miss any future episodes of Real Ghost Stories online until next time I'm Tony Bruski thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories online.